All right. Here we go. Cindy Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network. It is April 30th, 2023. And very, very fascinating. You know, last week I was talking about Dan Bongino leaving Fox News. And then uh, I think I even said, wonder who else is going to be out at Fox News. And then the very next day, boom, the whole Tucker Carlson thing uh, happens. And of course, this was just everybody's got Tucker fatigue by now. And it's, you know, six days into this whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I was calling him Cucker Tarlson <laughs> a while back. And I can't remember what that was about. It was probably about supporting gay marriage or something like that or something goofy he was into at the time. That was a while back, calling him Cucker, Cucker Tarlson. And he, he's been goofy over the years and seems to, on the surface, have had some sort of, an, uh, you know, uh, the scales drop off of his eyes over the years. And um, I'm sure all of us have been just flooded with the, well, he was fired for this reason. He was fired for that reason and all that. We've watched everybody talk about it. And if I get to it, I'll get to maybe a, one of the clips. But basically, it's like this. The January 6th stuff and the Ray Epps stuff. And then there's this whole dust-up about him mentioning good versus evil and godliness and all that stuff in that Heritage Foundation speech. And they say that freaked Rupert Murdoch out, and he had to go because of that. He was doing a lot of work ex- with a lot of different people that he had on, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and so forth, with the VAC stuff and the CIA stuff. And He goes on the, the I guess, the Give, Send, or send go podcast, whatever the hell their name is, big podcast. And it, and it really he goes off on the media as being a control mechanism for the elites. Um, and like a bunch of people have all said that, yeah, he's he's getting axed at this point, at this juncture in the timeline of this great. Shakespearean play that we're watching unfold throughout our lives, but the the quick acceleration over the last, you know, especially since 9-11, okay, the acceleration of events post 9-11, the psychological warfare increase, you know, on the population. You got these, army psyops guys running around saying that, yeah, we've got a lobotomized semi-retarded population of around 70 million people in the country. And of course we, and that goes across all nationalities and ethnicities as well. Um, I mean, they've done a doozy on um, the, the people of this country. And it's a shame to watch, you know, it's a shame 
that sh- these people are in your family, um, co-workers, people that were acquaintances and friends and so forth, and the gullibility and so forth. Um, you know, rem- you know, and I, and I got a page full of notes here, and I got 18 clips and tons of articles here but this somehow this got into my the notes that I send myself throughout the week uh, you know to kind of build a structure of a broadcast and this one has asterisks by it the towers these towers are the enemy control mechanism Okay. Remember this if and when they pull the plug. Mr. Producer, if you'd get clip two ready. Now, this is just kind of an in, and this only like a minute long, but this is indicative of where we're at and what we're most likely facing. Now, remember Cyber Polygon. Okay, Schwab and these characters. Uh, but let's just go ahead and roll clip two and then we'll talk about it. The whole idea behind this exercise is to really help us understand uh, where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are, and build our installation resilience uh, so that we can survive uh, a loss of electricity over a long period of time. And this is Dabu 7. This exercise is called a black start exercise. And they're saying that this is going to help to test their backup power generation capabilities. And as the guy had just mentioned, he states that they may be without power for a prolonged period of time. So today, this is going in motion. This is a planned eight-hour installation-wide power outage that's going down. And it's going to affect people outside of the facility. They're saying that 85% of the facilities will have power back on after the first two and a half hours of the exercise. But other areas are not. Some areas will continue receiving power within 30 minutes. Fort Fort Carson officials here asking families to remain patient during the exercise. So just a heads up here to this situation. This here shows once again that not only the military... Government sectors, they're out here planning for a massive lights-out situation. They have telegraphed this from the World Economic Forum, whether it's an EMP, whether it's a cyber attack, or just them flipping the switch. Let's not forget, Uh, last year... Um, Now think about all these nuclear plants. Now I know that there's a whole wing of us and kind of our sector, RBN land and other places that nuclear powers, BS and, uh, you know, nuclear warheads or BS, you know, that whole wing of thought, you know, you got the one guy from way back that was sit there and handle uranium and plutonium and stuff and 
you know, put it on his skin and everything else. Uh, and so he was claiming that that was what that was. And so there's all kinds of misinformation, disinformation, and information about nuclear power, the ability to have nuclear warheads and all that. I get it. Um, but let's say nuclear power is real and you got all the spent fuel rods and dropping the grid. Uh, most, you know, most, I guess, orthodox scientists that believe in the nuclear realm over here, they, you know, they're saying, you know, these spent fuel rods and, and pools are going to go up and it's going to be a massive just nuclear wasteland due to that. So do you think the elites are really going to drop the grid fully and not power the nuclear plants and the spent fuel pools and all that. I mean, this is probably going to be selective if they do drop the drop the grid. Um, you know, and then if you believe in EMPs and the ability to take out and fry all of our electronics and, and all that stuff. So that was at Fort Carson, Colorado, that they were just doing this drill. And it just so happens the Colorado governor signed four new gun control measures into law. Okay. And so here's what they do. Increase the legal age for purchasing firearms to 21. Create a three-day waiting period for firearms purchases. Expand the list of people who can submit red flag gun confiscation uh, confiscation petition. Yeah, so don't get into a fight with your or, or an argument with your um, significant other or whatever. Um, remove gun manufacturers' protection from liability. Isn't that something? These bastards just at war with the Second Amendment. That guy should be taken out and uh, summarily executed for treason in a, in a, in a sane world. Um, but anyway, Fort Carson, Colorado. Now, think about this, this whole Black Start thing and the cyber polygon. Now, the, some of the people in the Q research crowd, the X-22s and others, they believe that during this uh, blackout, uh, you know, what you know, this whole thing, uh, blackout of communications and all this, that the good guys are going to be rounding up the bad guys, and so there's a dose of hopium here in that sector, saying, uh, yes, when communication blackout the power goes down this is when the, the great and loyal military they're going to go around and collect all of the bad actors the black hats the white hats running the military are going to seize all of the black hats and so forth and so on and the way I look at it is that is a serious dose of hopium because that could be the exact same time if you guys are wrong that all of us probably listening to the sound of my voice will get rounded up. And so you see how that is a perfect knife's edge right there. So the Q crowd wants to say the good guys could be rounding up the bad guys, but those of us with a jaundiced view of history 
and how the Red Terror begins and those who are familiar with Solzhenitsyn and so forth, uh, we've got to look at this as, hey, wait a minute. What if the good old blah, 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 the, the white hats are not really the white hats and then they're the red hats, the red terror squads, the Cheka NKVD, and they're coming to get all of us. And so uh, be better be careful when you, you know, you trust the hopium too much um, because that could be a, a, a bad uh, situation. Now, this Mike Morell guy. Okay, and I got a bunch of stuff open. I went down a kind of a real trail today when I was getting ready for the broadcast. But not not right now, but I'm going to get into that in a minute if I can. Michael Morell, okay, so career intelligence guy, served as deputy CIA director from 2010 to 2013 and, and twice as its acting director, first in 2011 and then... And 2012 to 2013, okay? He was the presidential daily briefer to George W. Bush, okay? Including on the morning of September 2001. So, you know, this guy is balls deep in the September 11th operation, okay? And he wrote a book, The Great War of Our Time. He defends the use of drones by both Bush and Obama against suspected terrorists. And he explains the CIA's use of enhanced interrogation techniques, what many call torture, by the Bush administration. He is now senior counselor and global chairman of the geopolitical risk practice at Beacon Global Strategies, LLC, in Washington, D.C. Now, if you get into who Beacon Global Strategies is, founded by Jeremy Bash, Philip Philippe Rains, and Andrew Shapiro in 2013. Um, and it, it specializes in matters of international policy, foreign affairs, national defense, cyber intelligence, and homeland security. And they, they des- the, describe this Beacon Global Strategies as unique for a Washington consulting firm because it's of its partner's intent to eventually return to government. So it's a it's a shadowy quasi governmental consulting firm, blah, 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 strategic advisory firm. So it's part of the government. It's just, you know. Most of the founders have ties to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, okay? But anyway, you get into um you get into this Morell guy and what 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 got me just interested. He's just like one of these kind of intelligence nerds. But guess where he got his masters of arts from? Georgetown, the Jesuit powerhouse, okay, joined the CIA in 1980 and served there for 33 years, okay, and it gets into all this stuff, Um, he took over for the CIA after Petraeus got, General Petraeus got in that um, sex scandal, and he acted as CIA director after Panetta, 
Jesuit Leon Panetta was confirmed as the Secretary of Defense. Just kind of interesting uh, that this is what this is one of the kingpins in the intelligence gang of 51 that said Hunter Biden's laptop was bogus and it's a Russian, you know, uh, disinformation and blah, blah, blah. And him and Blinken were the guys involved with this. So the guy right there, the morning of September 11th, 2001, daily briefer to Judge W. Bush, uh, he's one of the guys that sign on to this document, putting his, well, let's say, reputation on the line with these other 51 clowns, these evil, treasonous pigs that f- uh, infest our intelligence community, um, saying, yeah, this, this, this guy that gets kicked out of the Navy for being a doper, Okay, um, gets caught with a meth pipe in, in his rental car, old Hunter, and everybody says he's a crackhead, crackhead. I, I, I think he's a meth head, personally. He might do some crack, but I think he's on meth, which is a totally different animal. Um, and this is why people can stay up for days, and he's doing all these deals, jet-setting, running around. He's probably tweaking on meth, which, you know, it's a completely different drug than uh, cocaine. He's probably on both, but I, I distinctly remember it was a meth pipe in his rental car that they found uh, a while back, some years back. But Morell, another Georgetown intelligence guy, um, trained by the Jesuits at Georgetown. I wanted to get that in there because it's just fascinating to see how this all goes down. Now, um, I heard, uh, let me see here, what we got at 19 after the hour. Let's play a little bit of clip six, Mr. Producer, if you want to get this. This is a Greg Reese deal about the CIA and and Robert F. Kennedy. Okay, and a, a lot of this we've kind of heard before, but this we're just going to go over this for a couple minutes. Go ahead and roll clip six. Just a few months after being sworn in as president, John F. Kennedy, RFK Jr.'s uncle, said the following in a speech given before the American Newspaper Publishers Association. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. On November 22nd, 1963, President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. There are hours of damning evidence clearly showing that the CIA organized crime and the highest levels of the U.S. federal government were all involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy, including the magic bullet, the grassy knoll, and the presence of young CIA asset George H.W. Bush in Dallas that day, a day that he claims he could not remember. But the entire operation was blamed on a single lone gunman. 
An hour after hearing that his brother was assassinated, Robert Kennedy told his close aide that he was surprised it wasn't him. He thought that he would be the one they would get. Over the next few days, he wrote letters to his children, charging them with the responsibility to love and serve their country and to remember what their uncle John had started. A few years later, the New York Times published an article claiming that President Kennedy told one of the highest officials in his administration that he wanted to splinter the CIA in a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. On March 16, 1968, Robert Kennedy officially announced he was running for president. On June 5th, following major victories in the primaries, he was gunned down after giving a speech at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California. Nina Rhodes Hughes was one of a small few who witnessed the assassination, and she claims there was another shooter. She later expressed outrage that the police ignored her statement. The shot that killed Robert Kennedy was fired up close in the back of his head, and the whole operation was blamed on a single lone gunman who was standing in front of him. But it appears that they concluded within about an hour's time that Saran acted alone, or that was going to be their conclusion, and they thereafter tailored all of the evidence to fit that conclusion. Regicide is the ritual killing of a king to memorialize a subversion of power. And while the Kennedy family is as greasy as the rest of the swamp, the two brothers stand out like mythical kings. Aside from Dr. Ron Paul, who said we need to get rid of them completely, nobody in government questions the crimes of the CIA. While promoting a book on television in 1978, a young RFK Jr. referred to American politics as a one-party system and his father and uncle's demise as an occupational hazard. In March of 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr. had a meeting to plan a run for the 2000 U.S. Senate election against Hillary Clinton. Four months later, he died in a fatal plane crash with all the telltale signs of a cover-up. Recently declassified documents show that Lee Harvey Oswald, the alleged lone gunman in the JFK assassination, was a CIA asset. RFK Jr. is running for president in 2024 and calls out the CIA for the deadly vaccines. He also blames the CIA for the murder of his uncle, which he calls a successful coup d'etat from which our democracy has never recovered. And he believes that his father was assassinated by the security guard who shot him from behind after pushing him into their patsy, Sirhan Sirhan. One of the interesting things about this case is that Sirhan Sirhan was reportedly in front of Robert Kennedy and investigators initially said that he was murdered by a gunshot wound that went through the back of him. So, Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. You can stop it there. so then I heard a caller um, calling in, talking about the Ambassador Hotel where uh, Robert F. Kennedy was shot. And they said a name, and it's not the name of um, the owners. Okay, so the owner of the hotel was a guy named Junius Meyer Shine, and he was Jewish. Okay, Um was a New York theater and hotel magnate whose holdings comprised 185 movie theaters, notably Glove Theater, Shines, Auburn Theater, and several hotels, including the Ambassador. 
Uh, he was Jewish family and Lat- from Latvia. Um, so, and then he married a lady named Feldman, Hildegard Feldman, and they had kids. And um, they had two daughters and two sons. Okay, this now one of the sons named Gerard David Shine. Okay, which is interesting because. He uh, he was involved with McCarthy hearings, okay? And he's chief consultant to the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. And so in 1952, this guy, this, the, the son of the owner of the Ambassador Hotel, p- published a six-page anti-communist pamphlet called Definition of Communism and had a c- copy placed in every room of his family's chain of hotels. Um, although the pamphlet contained many errors, Time called it remarkably succinct. The pamphlet introduced Shine to Roy Cohn through North newspaper columnist George Sokolsky, and the two became friends. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You have this Roy Cohn, this other Jewish guy, Mr. Shine, that were involved with the um, – you know uh, – McCarthy hearings, and then um, they get into this. Um, then it talks about a Theodore Kagan, direct deputy director of the Public Affairs Division in the office of the U.S. High Commissioner for Germany and a target of the subcommittee, calling them junketeering gumshoes. So you had a Kagan there, um, and so he gets drafted into the army. Um, and then basically what's interesting, um, Shine died on June 19th, 1996 at the age of 68 in a private airplane accident in Burbank, California. Also dying in the crash were his wife, Hilevi, and their 35-year-old son, Burnt, who was piloting the plane. I just found all that interesting about looking into the Ambassador Hotel and and due to a caller on a broadcast talking about who owned it. Then I go down this trail with that. It's just pretty fascinating um, stuff that you, you know, you kind of. And I mentioned this a while back. uh, I was listening to a broadcast. I think it was Robert Morningstar over on Revolution. Um, JFK Murder Files. No, JFK Murder, jamesfiles.weebly.com. JFK Murder, jamesfiles.weebly.com. And this guy claims he was the shooter. And he wrote a book, Primary Target, JFK, how the CIA used the Chicago mob to kill the president. And he's still walking around, and there's pictures of him on the website. JFK Murder, jamesfiles.weebly.com. I would like to see what Dr. Fetzer uh thinks of this guy and see if there's anything to it uh maybe i'll contact him but see you guys after the break real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth 
I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork raised the way nature intended. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY.
Mary Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Um, you might not see the archives just in in the morning for those of you uh, that know people that listen in the morning. Uh, you'll probably see it up at hoolisblog.blogspot.com, W-H-O-O-L-I-S, blog.blogspot.com. Um, but there's something going on with the archives right now, so it might take them some time maybe to get the uh, to broadcast into the RBN archives. Um, I was ta- thinking about bugs, all this talk about us eating bugs, right? So remember the a bug's life, this movie, um, basically about keeping the, the smaller bugs in line and, you know, if they find out that they've got any power, our kingdom's basically over our kingdom of control, that was the basic kind of underlying thing there, the dominance of the, what the big grasshoppers or what have you. But they view us as bugs, these elites, to be eradicated from what they consider their terra firma, their world. And so this is why we're in the midst of <clears throat> what appears to be a slow starting but very very quickening depopulation agenda you know they they blow up the guide stones well that last year i guess too many people were getting hip to the messaging there and so therefore they had to be bombed demolished and the agenda actually goes hot it goes into a higher gear so they view us as bugs but they want us to eat bugs and i've talked about this before remember the the golden child the movie with eddie murphy and all that where they were trying to get the golden child to eat blood so they want you to eat your own and you hear about these Stories throughout the years about the fetal tissue and the Pepsi and ground up blah, 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 and some of the food companies. And so they, they view us as bugs. They want us to eat bugs. So the whole Bugs Life movie. And then they want us to commit buggery, which is like a pansexual just across. That's why the English used the term bugger. You bugger is basically calling you a queer or a fag. Um, but they're, but buggery. Okay. That's the old word for basically trisexualism. Try anything. Um, so they were bugs to them. They want us to eat bugs. They're worried about the bugs getting aware of the controlling class and then they want us to commit buggery the whole trans stuff and all the rest of it now there's an interesting article up on the new american which just came out uh yesterday transgenderism is demonic possession 
What's really behind the transgenderism movement? The trans question has become one of the most hotly contested issues in the culture war. While young people continue to proclaim their gender fluid and non-binary statuses increasing numbers, fervent opposition to this trend has gained steam among the right. Driven by the clear pedophilic grooming of trans family strip shows, the constant pro-LGBT propaganda in the media and schools and recent high-profile acts of violence committed by trans and non against non-trans, well, some of these could be, let's just say, synthetic operations. But anyway, the counter-trans movement has taken hold among a sizable segment of America and has virtually become completely mainstream among GOP voters and lawmakers. Much of the trans debate centers around significant questions, mental health, parental rights, the safety of children and families, blah, 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 blah. But one aspect of this trans question is rarely discussed, and it's the most important factor, the one which explains and underlies the entire issue, the spiritual side. Why are the globalist oligarchs, of which the contemporary political left is a segment, so hell-bent on making you, me, and all our children trans? Well, the big one for me is, and I'm going off the script here, is they don't want them to reproduce. Of course, there are many answers to this question. They have several purposes that are served by getting us to fall into gender-bending delusion and mutilating our genitalia while getting hopped up on hormonal drugs. First, there's the monetary motivation. There's more money to be made with sick people than with healthy people. And gender dysphoria is a mental illness. By convincing people that they're in the wrong gender, trapped in the wrong body, the establishment generates lots of opportunities to make money off of them, psychologists, therapists, and, of course, expensive sex change procedures. Then there's, then there's the power of motivation. Infirm, weak, mentally ill people are easier to control because they're unwilling or unlikely to fight back. This especially applies to the men in the society. The globalist oligarchs are more than happy to see an entire generation of men turned into docile she-males. Well, I don't know how docile they are. You can watch these she-males wilding out all over the video platforms. We just had the one in California beating the hell out of um, some biological girls, and even the, some of the teachers couldn't keep the uh, docile she-male um, from continuing the barrage of of the assault. And remember, the powers that be have an overarching goal of destroying Christianity by grooming people into transgenderism and the LGBT lifestyle, which are direct contradiction to Christian moral law. The left pulls their rainbow converts away from Jesus' teaching and even makes them hate Christianity. As the adherents of LGP are told, they are victims of bigoted persecution by ignorant Christians. And I'll just go off the script here with the Satan con that was going on. Uh, and then the, the opening act of this witch tearing pages out of the Bible. Um, uh, I want you to do that with the Quran. Uh, witch, why don't you, some, some of you punks and the Satan con up there, do some things to some Qurans. Yeah, we know why. But anyway, um, and, and allegedly tons of people in this satanic temple are all the gender fluid, binary, LGBT stuff. So there's a, there is a, a marriage happening on the political front with the organized Satanism, especially this um, satanic temple gang and um, the militant trans movement. So a lot of these trannies are becoming militant Satanists. And then, you know, but anyway, 
um, to accurately answer the question of why did they push the trans agenda, we must fully understand what transgenderism really is. Transgenderism is nothing short of demonic possession. Demonic spirits want to possess human beings. They do not have a physical body and do and desire to experience the higher state of having one with all the experiences and satisfaction it brings. So miserable is the lack of a physical body for them that they would rather inhabit the bodies of animals than have no bodies at all, as in the case of the legion of spirits in the New Testament who pleaded with Jesus to at least put them into a herd of swine after casting them out of a man. Transgenderism is a vehicle that allows demons to enter and take over the bodies of humans, among other vehicles. But anybody with any kind of spiritual uh, discernment at all realizes that when you start tinkering with God's, uh, let's just say, model of the human and you start like it says in Leviticus, it is, it is an abomination for a man to wear a garment uh, of a woman and vice versa. Okay. And then you get into the book of Re- revelation where it talks about the, the fearful, the unbelieving, the effeminate. And then it talks about homosexuals, blah, 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 blah. The effeminate and is Basically, your men that dress up as women, and then you get into the the where it talks about sodomites being in the land and and places in the Old Testament, and a lot of work's been done on that by a lot of these transvestigators. And uh, the word sodomites uh, really is your transgender crap, okay? And so I'm gonna I'm not gonna get into the rest of that. Um, because I want to get into this real quick. Now, we covered Regina Dugan years ago when I was on the broadcast. And it's kind of interesting. Regina E. Dugan, her initials red, R-E-D, red, kind of interesting. 1854 adds up to 27. Kind of interesting, too. Um, But... Mr. Producer, get clip three ready. This is her back in 2013. So let's let's kind of let's go back 10 years kind of in your mind. okay? where she's talking about the very things that have really, really come to fruition. And think about the the vaccine passports. Think about what's embedded in these vials, in these shots. Think about what's going into most likely our food supply, both plants and animals. Think about the smart dust, okay, that they've been talking about for years. Think about all this. Go ahead and roll clip three. Lots of people talk about innovation in this space as if the big innovations have already happened. I just, I think that's a lack of imagination, frankly. There are so many unsolved problems And there are so many opportunities that can be realized by the advances in the tech here. So let's just take one really important problem, one driving application, in this case, authentication. Authentication is irritating. In fact, it's so irritating only about half the people do it, right? Despite the fact that there's a lot of information about you on your smartphone, which makes you far more prone to identity theft than if you didn't otherwise have it there, right? So So you're talking about passwords and pins and the 
drawing patterns and uh, on well, Android. Well, sure. Look, after 40 years of advances in computation, we're still authenticating basically the same way we did years ago. In fact, it's gotten worse because now you don't do it once a day or twice a day. The average user does it 39 times a day, and it takes them 2.3 seconds every time they do it. Power users would do it up to 100 times a day. So what are we doing about that? Well, we're thinking of a whole variety of options for how you could do better at authentication. So you can start with nearer-term things like uh, tokens or fobs that might have NFC or Bluetooth embedded in them. But you can also think about uh, a means of authentication that you could simply wear on your skin every day for a week at a time, say an electronic tattoo. Now, we're talking about wearables. Everybody's interested in wearables. I'm profoundly interested in wearables. <laughs> And what I, what I will tell you is that there are some, we've made a lot of advances in wearables, but there's still some fundamental problems that we haven't solved. Like one of them is the mechanical mismatch between humans and electronics, right? So electronics, mechanical mismatch problem. Well, a researcher at the University of Illinois, his name is Dr. Rogers, what he discovered is that he could use standard CMOS techniques to make islands of high-performance silicon connected by accordion-like structures that would allow it to stretch up to 200% and still be performing. And what he did is he founded a company and they started making electronic tattoos. So I, I'm wearing one here on my arm. Can we Do we have here. a camera to get a... This is a develop this is a developmental system made by MC10 and it has uh, an antenna and some sensors embedded in it and what we plan to do is work with them to advance a tattoo that could be used for authentication. Now, it may be true that 10 to 20 year olds don't want to wear a watch on their wrist, but you can be sure that they'll be far more interested in wearing an electronic tattoo if only to piss off their parents. <laughs> right? And that can have a design, right? Because sure. they would certainly want some kind of cool design. Options, right? options. And that's something that you wear, but you could also imagine including authentication in just your daily habits. So I take a vitamin every morning. What if I could take vitamin authentication? What? Vitamin authentication. Look, I have one right here. Well, here, I'll let you hold it. <clears throat> would you like to hold it? I'll hold it. Okay. <laughs> so this... You guys see it? This pill has a small chip inside of it with a switch. It also has what amounts to an inside-out potato battery. When really you small. swallow it, the acids in your stomach serve as the electrolyte, they do. and they power it up, and the switch goes on and off. And it creates an 18-bit ECG-like signal in your body, and essentially your entire body becomes your authentication token. Yes, this is true. All right, good stuff. Your entire body becomes your authentication token, right? So, Regina Dugan, first female director of DARPA, where she served from July 2009 until March 2012. So, this video I just played for you was from 2013, okay? Now... What's interesting, um, she left DARPA in 2000 uh, to become a special advisor for the vice chief of staff of the United States Army. Now, we know that these quack scenes, these 
injections came out of the the Pentagon. I personally believe she was right there with the development of all of this bio warfare. Okay. Um, so she took positions at the Naval Research Advisory Committee. Um, now, after leaving DARPA in 2012, she was appointed to executive position at Google. Then she led and created advanced technology and projects at Motorola Mobility, a subsidiary of Google. It was, and in 2014, it was announced that Motorola Mobility would be acquired by Lenovo. Okay, Dugan and her team were retained by Google. She later moved to Facebook, joining a team called Building Eight. In 2017, she announced she would be leaving in 2018 to pursue other endeavors. In May 2020, she was announced as the CEO of Welcome Leap, and it's W-E-L-L-C-O-M-E, Leap. And so I was like, well, and she, Bachelor and Master of Sciences from Virginia Polytechnic Institute at State University of Virginia Tech, and she was also um, – got a phd by the caltech so she's all into this tech stuff um but anyway so i get it i just go into this welcomeleap.org okay so welcome leap builds bold unconventional programs and funds them at scale now you get into these programs Dynamic Resilience, Q4 Bio, Save, In Utero, R3, Multi-Channel Psych, Delta Tissue, 1KD, and Hope. Um, surgery, Assess, Validate, Expand, In Utero, that's, that's, that's messing with children right in the womb. RNA, Readiness, and Response. Oh, Multi-Channel Psych, Delta Tissue, Human Organs, Physiology, and Engineering. So I, I'm like, okay, well, let me get further into this. Welcome Leap is our team, okay? So basically chaired by one of the most effective business leaders in the life sciences industry, Jay Flatley, as CEO of Illumina, Jay helped to transform gene sequencing from a scientific pursuit to a commercially accessible service and move the cost of sequencing an entire human genome from a million dollars to a thousand. Founded by visionaries Jeremy Farrar, Mike Ferguson, and the Welcome Trust leadership with a $300 million seed investment, Welcome Leap intends to assemble international partners such that altogether we create the critical mass of funding required. Um, now you get into some of this, and then you get into this um, Welcome Trust it was founded in 1936 in accordance with Henry Welcome's will to improve health by supporting scientific research and the study of medicine. Funding for this medicine mission came from the profits of the pharmaceutical build business he had built up over 50 years. And it gets into these two pharmaceutical salesmen from America started a new company in London called Burroughs Welcome and Company. And then you get into... Um, after his death, 
1936, the company became the property of the newly formed Wellcome Trust. Well, despite financial difficulties after World War II, the business began to thrive again, pioneering a new approach to drug design. Successful products included the first leukemia drug, immune suppressants for organ transplants, and antivirals such as AZT. <laughs> the first drug approved to treat HIV. So we know about the toxicity of AZT killing all these AIDS people or whatever, or the reason why all these AIDS people were dying. And then you got connections to Fauci here. So uh, towards the end of the 20th century, the Wellcome Trust decided to sell the company, which is now part of GlaxoSmithKline. Oh, my gosh. And All right. Um, now you get into um, this other part. Um, so welcome is an independent charitable foundation. Our work is funded from an investment portfolio that currently stands at 37.8 billion British pounds. We use the returns on our investments to fund our work over time. Our careful investment decisions have meant our funds have grown in the past decade. The portfolio has grown at an average annual rate of 15%. Man, who's their portfolio managers? I wonder what kind of insider trading is going on there. Uh, we are now planning to spend $16 billion over the next 10 years to support new discoveries in science and health and to help find solutions for three of the world's greatest challenges, climate change and health, infectious diseases, and mental health, where our money comes from. Um, and in 1986, we decided to diversify by listing and selling shares in the company, which above, where that's talking about um, Glaxo. Since then, Welcome's funding has come from a wide range of financial assets around the world, including publicly listed stocks and shares, private equity, venture capital, property, hedge funds, and other investments. Welcome generally does not receive donations or government grants. We don't raise money from the public and you can get into all this on welcome.org but um it's crazy because now you got the former head of darpa and 10 years ago was talking about all this authentication and this whole deal it stinks okay so let's see here we're coming up on a break so where do i want to start here because i want to get into this um, internet of bodies thing. Um, uh, but I probably don't have the time. Uh, let me see if there's something I can cover real quick. Um, yeah, we might as well cover this in the last few minutes. So it says, Whoa, private calendar reveals convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein met with Biden's CIA spy chief and other leftist individuals after his sex crime conviction. So this whole thing with transhumanism crossed into Epstein world too, as you know, at this, um, at this ranch, there was all this transhumanism stuff going on there. Um, CIA chief, William Burns, I was meeting with them after he was convicted. Now, um, the weird thing is, does this have to do with the trafficking and the blackmail operations? Very good possibility. Or the transhumanism stuff that was going on 
at the uh, what was that Skeleton Ranch or something that, that uh, Epstein had. Um, very very wild kind of thing. So, in addition to Burns, the CIA guy, the infamous pedophile also reportedly met with Bard College President Leon Botstein, former Obama White House counsel Catherine Rumler, and Professor Noam Chomsky following his conviction of sex, child sex crime. Now, that's a weird kind of crew there. All right, we'll see you guys on the other side. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.